You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Bulldog Hour, episode 3-6. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. You know, it, it's been a couple weeks, and, uh, you know, we're, we're still getting in the swing of these uh, live shows, but uh, tonight should be a fun one. Yeah, for sure, mostly because, well, we're broadcasting after two Wilson victories. Yeah, you know, not maybe not so much on the air, I don't really remember, but... Certainly came up a number of times uh, before um, with the two of us about our our, our scheduling of these uh, games and just kind of the way things had worked out, you know. But there was still plenty to break down and plenty to talk about. Um, but you know, all else being equal, it's it's a lot more fun uh, to get on here after after back to back wins. Uh, yes, it makes it a lot easier to not have to react to people overreacting from a loss to. Yeah. Two teams that are very, very good this year in Mifflin and Central Dauphin, who just beat Cumberland Valley 20-14. to And Cumberland Valley was the team I thought that was probably the best after the first four weeks in District 3 at the 6A level. Yeah, and it was funny because you and I had been talking a lot before, pretty much since we started talking high school football this year. Um, that that mid-pen uh, conference, specifically that top division is just absolutely brutal and I'm not sure anyone comes out of there with less than two losses especially if any of them have a non-league loss like Central Dolphin has to Manheim Township you know I it's just that's going to be insane at, like at that least, round robin at least the teams that we would have to deal with because right, right we don't have to deal with Harrisburg we don't play them in the regular season and they're a 5A school we don't have to deal with State College, at least not in the District 3 playoffs. Right. They're in the mid-pen, but we wouldn't have to face them until the final State Final Four. Right, So yeah. the teams that we could see, Central Dolphin again, Cumberland Valley, CD East, Carlisle, they're all going to beat each other up as they have already started to do. And now we see Central Dolphin, who I think you know we're in agreement that at least historically – the Rams were down a little bit this year. That wasn't yeah. a typical that Central was the Dolphin expectation, team. You know, talking to people from the mid pen, um, talking to people who who are very in tune with, um, you know, that Central Dolphin team and kind of what their expectation was for that team. Um, just being able to look at what their expectations were, I, maybe not expectations, but what their realistic um, kind of outlook was for the season. Um, you know, so far, I would say they were a little worried at the start with the loss to Manheim Township, but uh, you know they've they've got things rolling uh, right now, and that was a huge win for them against uh, Cumberland Valley, for sure. So that's uh, all we're really going to talk about outside yeah. of uh, Wilson for this evening. But we do have a lot to talk about, and it's nice to feel like we're back to normal. Two wins in between our last show. And we're going to recap both of them, the victory versus Warwick, and then at McCaskey just a few nights ago. But before we do that, a little bit of housekeeping and things we want to uh, make you aware of or remind you of, and that is uh, how to follow and interact, and we want to thank our sponsors. So be sure to check us out at facebook.com slash bulldog hour, and the the quote-unquote official Wilson football page is on facebook.com slash Wilson Bulldogs football. You can also follow... Four accounts on Twitter, at Bulldog Hour, at Wilson Bulldogs, at Coach Joe Mays for me, and at Mr. Underscore Raffoff for Justin. And then on Instagram for game photos, uh, player of the games, reminders, all that good stuff, make sure you follow at Bulldog Hour and at Wilson Bulldogs Football. And if you want to find an archive of the Bulldog Hour episodes, make sure you go to YouTube.com slash user slash Joe Mays and JRaff Show. If those aren't ways you find particularly appealing to interact with us, you can do show by leaving a comment during our live broadcast on Facebook, or you can go old-fashioned and just email us, show at bulldoghour.com or joe at bulldoghour.com. You can also find a contact form on bulldoghour.com. So basically, if you go to the website, 
there's plenty of ways that you can get in contact yeah, with us. Yeah, if you can manage to find your way to the website, you will absolutely find your way to be able to be in contact with us. Yeah, for sure. Or look for us at every <laughs> Wilson football game. Yeah, every single one. <laughs> You'll find me with a camera and Justin up higher with a video camera. Yeah, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, looking down from above. So. We wear our apparel, too, our Bulldog Hour yeah, stuff. So if yeah. you ever have a question, comment, or suggestion, definitely hit us up. Um, I've been told that we're approachable. I, I hope that's true. I would I would believe so. All right, good, good. We want to thank our sponsors, again, May's Sandwich Shop, who's been with us from the start, um, our anonymous donor, and everyone that has donated in the past. And we actually had a, a new donor just this past Friday night. Uh, Wilson alum Matt Cruz was kind enough to monetarily support the show, and we greatly, greatly appreciate uh, his donation, and we are very thankful for him and people like him that have helped us to hopefully grow the show, make it bigger and better. Remember, the live shows are every other week on Facebook. The next show will be following week seven, which will be Sunday, October 15th. And I mentioned supporting us, and it's not just uh, monetary-wise in-kind donations. We also offer sponsorships and advertising opportunities. But like Justin always says, the most important thing you could do Besides visit bulldoghour.com is spread the word. Like and share. Like and share. I uh I know I got word of someone following the live stream and the uh the updates from the sideline. Um I got word on Saturday morning that they simply did it because it was liked and shared and they saw it pop up on their feed. Yes. Um and so that's how they, they found out about it. So please, please do yeah, so. Like and share and that'll just help bring uh bigger and better things. Yeah, and if you aren't aware Justin and I are the ones that do all the stuff on uh, all the social accounts. Anything that comes there comes from me or Justin pinch hits from time to time. So all that stuff. Nervously, I pinch hit. (laughs) All that stuff comes from us running the Bulldog Hour. So if you enjoy the Wilson Bulldogs football Facebook page and all those accounts, those are us. And uh, those live streams that we've been doing and have been very, very well received, um, that's through us as well. So if you support the Bulldog Hour, you're supporting bigger and better things through the official, again, quote unquote, official Wilson Football Facebook page. Official in our hearts. Yes. (laughs) All right. So quick look at the schedule again. So we're in that middle column. The top two are over. Here we are, October 1st. Welcome to October. And uh, we're going to talk about Warwick and McCaskey and then preview Penn Manor and Lebanon. All right, so that take, take yeah, that takes care of the business, and we're going to move on to our game previews now. The first one up, Warwick. Home game, second straight after uh, falling to Central Dolphin. Wilson stayed at home on September 22nd. It was a big night. I believe it was youth night where they welcomed all the uh, the young Bulldog football players to the field. The The cheerleader camp in, uh, kids were there, and... It was a, a raucous atmosphere also because we welcomed back through the Wilson Football Tradition Club three previous Wilson Championship teams, and not just three previous ones, but the first three Wilson Championship teams from 1950, 1967, and 1969. So a very uh, cool crowd on hand from new Bulldogs to the old, and they got to see quite a game. Both, both times now that the Tradition Club has honored past teams, they've seen a thrilling game. Last year against Manheim Township in the 17 to 10 victory right down to the buzzer. And now this year against Warwick, Wilson opens league playing gets their 65th straight victory against LL section one teams. Well, while it looks a little bit more lopsided, it, it definitely felt a lot closer and not quite in hand as the final score would indicate. Wilson won 56 to 24. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. It, w- it was quite the show, um, you know, basically a week and a half ago. Almost um, on the twenty second against Warwick, I, I can speak from from my sources that were recognized on on one of those championship teams that they were blown away. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking, my uncle was on uh, one of the championship teams was recognized. Um, he, uh, I, I am pretty sure he had not been back to a game at Wilson since you know the late '60s, and so. Uh, for he and his wife, who who uh, came along, 
completely blown away in, in every aspect. They said the number of people, you know, the size of the stands, you know, the just the game itself and, and, and everything that kind of went into um, the spectacle that is a Wilson uh, home game and specifically a big Wilson home game. You know, the, the, not to downplay the game, you know, there were lots of other things going on, but the game was was a big one. And it, and it um, despite the score kind of being, like you said, a little lopsided at the end, the game did not really play out that way. It was much closer, uh, or at least it seemed much closer than, than what the score would indicate. And, um, you know, that I think kind of helped add to the buzz in the stadium. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere, a great night to uh, be a Bulldog, and w- Wilson got the big victory. I know one that people were circling on the calendar, yeah. and really third out of four. Uh, we heard the kids mention, you know, uh, preseason that they would look forward to Mifflin, Central Dolphin, Manheim Township, and, and Warwick. So we're already through three of those four big ones with Township on the horizon in a few weeks. But the Warwick one was a uh, had a lot of drama surrounding one because well they played them so well last year down in Lidditz. Yeah, it came they, down to a hail mary last and year. And they had so many of those kids back, yeah. really really talented athletes uh, at Warwick, which we know they had struggled a little bit a few years ago. And each of the teams has an ebb and flow, and Warwick is on the upswing. Yes, and obviously you know we can't overlook that uh, former Wilson quarterback Grayson Klein um, started going to Warwick uh, in over the summer. So that familiarity there and that that uh, competitor uh, spirit and wanting to um, play your best against a former teammate, uh, someone who you've known for a long time. So yeah. the players and coaches from both sides definitely amped for this one. But uh, before we talk any more about the game, let's take a look at some of the highlights from Wilson's 56-24 to victory over Warwick. All right, so the game took place on September 22nd in West Lawn. It was a beautiful, beautiful night. Um, you really couldn't uh, ask for much better weather uh, compared to what we had for the Tradition Club event last year when it was rainy. But things started off pretty good for Wilson. They they held Warwick, forced a punt. They partially de- blocked it. And then I'm not really sure what ended up happening here, but Warwick got the ball because I guess they say across they the said line. They across the line of scrimmage, and Wilson touched it, and so then it was a lost possession by Wilson. Um, if it doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, then Wilson could touch it, and it still I don't believe it would matter. But because they said it crossed at basically half a yard, so so um, not a lot of scoring in the first half, especially in the first quarter. And uh, right there, you saw two sacks on Grayson Klein by the Wilson defense. And now we're going to start to see uh, the offenses take control here in the second quarter. A nice little swing pass t- from Yorick to Reynoso gets Wilson down into Warwick territory. And on this next play, Iggy Reynoso will take the ball up the gut and score the first of five rushing touchdowns he'll have on the night. And I believe I had a photo of that one. That's an awesome picture. <laughs> Now, that was pretty cool. I believe on Warwick's next series, they snapped the ball over their punter's head. He still tried to get a kickoff, but it was a low kick that landed near the 20 and then is fielded by Sean McAndrew, who gets it back to where the ball bounced. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs, the very next play would be a an interception right near the goal line, which would end the threat for for the Bulldogs to score and, and up their lead. And uh, Warwick, led by Klein, would drive down the field and get one of their own. So, you know, we're thinking, oh, man, we got <laughs> right, right we in. got some momentum. Well, we yeah, lose it. Momentum gone. Next series, though, who do we give the ball to? Iggy Reynoso. Up the middle and gone, I believe. I think it was 72 yards. He takes that one to the house, and suddenly Wilson's back up on top quickly, 14-7. to seven. And they wouldn't be done. Neither team would be done, actually. No. We're going to see here, though, a quick throwout is intercepted by senior cornerback Trevor Tanga. Wilson gets the ball again. And just a few plays after that, well, Wilson's going to give the ball once again to Mr. Reynoso, who's going to do his job and get outside and cross the goal line once again for his third touchdown of the second quarter. And Wilson would go up. 21 to 7. 
But Grayson Klein led his Warwick Warriors down the field and scrambled himself and got into the end zone to cut the Bulldogs' lead to a touchdown once again. Thankfully, Wilson wasn't done in the second quarter. It was a really busy second quarter. Yeah. For the first quarter ended 0-0. Here we get to see a freshman phenom, Troy Corson, take a little slip screen. 43 yards for the score just before halftime. I believe there's about 90 seconds or two minutes or so left in the first half when he got the score. Now, Warwick would start to threaten again, get into Wilson territory, but on the last play of the first half, Cameron Magalotti, beautifully positioned, picks off the Grayson Klein throw, and is eventually tackled back near the line of scrimmage, and that's how the first half would end. Got a picture of the members of those Tradition Club teams back at halftime. Now, Warrior, uh, the Warriors would add on a field goal early in the third quarter and cut the Wilson lead to 28-17. On the very next play, though, the Wilson kickoff team would show us what they're meant to do, and Abdul McFoy takes the kickoff to the house to give Wilson much more comfortable uh, position to be in up 35-17. to 17. But Warwick wasn't done yet. Another nice pitching catch. That's a great and catch. An incredible great catch. Throw. That's a great throw. That's a great, great, great all-around play. Man. Now it's 35-24. <laughs> However, Wilson would drive down the field one more time. Iggy again, 42-24. to 24, And he just would waltz into the end zone for that one. Now we get to see another sack. The Bulldogs defense was flying around all night while they couldn't always stop him in the secondary. They were able to get him a couple of sacks. Here finally we'll get to see Iggy's last touchdown as he dies across the goal line. And I got a picture of that one too. I guarantee you that. <laughs> so 49-24. And uh, this is the the one that immediately after it happened, there was a little bit of a controversy surrounding it. Um, but I think as you could see there that unfortunately on this play, Grayson Klein was injured and, uh, we'll talk about that and that play a little bit more after we finish here. Um, after Grayson got injured, the Warwick backup quarterback came in and a few plays later, uh, Nick Johnson stepped in front of his pass and went like 75 yards for the touchdown. That's where we get our final score, 56 to 24 Wilson in victory formation they get their 65th straight LL1 victory. There's your final score. And a weird error there from you on that, the camera. That was end zone camera. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Blame them. <laughs> I got it. So, so there you have it. That is week four, the highlights from week four. And, uh, you know, the win is the most important thing for the Bulldogs, but they, they didn't want to see what happened to their former teammate, Grayson Klein, there near the end. We saw it on the video. It was kind of, the camera was kind of leaving as as Justin was supposed to do, track the ball. So you kind of saw it in the corner. But uh, Trevor Hatley was rolling out as Grayson rolled out, and while Grayson threw the ball, Trevor jumped to try to bat it down, and he landed into Grayson, right. uh, while at least Eddie Ortiz was also behind there. Um, and the impact of the players um, resulted in Grayson tearing at least his patellar tendon in his knee. I've also heard that there might be other ligament damage, and he's looking at a uh, recovery time of at least six months, if not a year plus, wow. uh, due to that. And some people, I don't know where this is coming from, because a lot of people were jumping to the defense, including Paul Roberts from WEU, um, saying that there was no ill will there. There were some right. people like hyping up that the Wilson players don't like Grayson, which I'm not really sure where that came from. Maybe it's just people thinking, oh, he used to play there and doesn't play there. Now he plays for a rival. Yeah. I don't know what, where that came from because, and a lot of uh, media places covered this and some actually shared video. The entire Wilson team walked over to Grayson after the game to, you know, wish him well. Yeah. And, he, he and Trevor were pretty close, yeah. and Grayson has come out and said on Twitter, for the people that were questioning it, that it, it, it was football. He's like, right. there was obviously no intent there. No one was trying to injure anyone. Right. It's just the game of football. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I hope, uh, you know, things do. Obviously, there's an injury, but I hope the the recovery can be on on the quicker end, and you know things can uh, get rolling there uh, for Grayson, you know sooner rather than later. 
Um, you know, but back back to the Wilson side of things, you know, this was a big game. You know, we, we talked about through the first three games looking to build and, and see more consistency. And, you know, while it wasn't, you know, as far from a perfect um, output, there was a lot more consistency in a lot of ways um, in in that game than there were in the previous three. Um, you know, where we look at Mifflin, where there was a strong showing for a short period of time. And then, you know, there was a stronger showing in against Springford, but again, a lot too many lapses. Um, and then again, kind of a relapse in uh, the Central Dolphin game where, you know, lots of moments where you're just not quite there. And then a furious rally that just falls short, you know, um, you didn't see that in, in the Warwick game. The, the team was ready to go um, and they, they were ready to compete from the start. And that showed in, in the outcome. Um, you know, they got things going. You know, much had been made. Um, you know, you talked about other people, you know, and some of the write-ups and news stories and things about Wilson struggling to run the ball. Um, they were certainly able to run it against um, against Warwick. And, you know, as, as you said, and we'll get to some of the specifics here in just a second, but uh, Iggy uh, certainly put on a show. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. Let's talk about some of the team's stats. Wilson had 18 first downs. Warwick managed 25. Rushing yards, Wilson, 303. A lot of those coming from Iggy. We'll get to that in a second. Warwick had 97, so just a shade under 100. Passing yards, Wilson, 119. But uh, Grayson, and uh, who took over for him, ended up combining for 347 <sighs> passing yards. And Warwick outgained Wilson, 422 to 444, um, aided by having the advantage in time of possession. Over 26 and a half minutes for the Warriors, where Wilson had uh, 21 and a quarter. Third downs, Wilson respectable three for seven. You know you'd like to see uh, that at four or five. You know, yeah. uh, be above uh, the fifty percent mark. But Warwick was just four of seventeen. So defense bent at times, but when they needed to step up, they were able to do so. Uh, Wilson didn't attempt any fourth down conversions, and Warwick converted on two of their five. Uh, another aspect that Wilson um, needed some improvement in, and we'll see that when we talk about McCaskey. They missed out on one red zone opportunity. We saw the interception, but Warwick was a perfect two for two. The other thing that stands out from this game is the penalties. Uh, the refs yeah. liked to throw the yellow flag yes, that did. night. Wilson had 12 accepted penalties for 143 yards. That's crazy. Warwick didn't fare all that much better. They had 10 accepted penalties for 99 yards. Right. So 22 accepted penalties for nearly 250 yards. Yeah, that's... That's definitely something that, like like you mentioned, um, in this game we were able to overcome those things and specifically pull away uh, later. But, um, you know, it's one of those where you're going to need to clean those up, um, especially, you know, sometimes they happen and it's not that big of a deal. You're able to overcome it. But uh, in a close game, you're, you have that many penalties and it's more likely to, to really hurt you and, and keep you from getting the outcome you want. Individual accolades, talking about some of the stats. Senior quarterback Connor Yurg was 7 of 9, very efficient for 119 yards and a touchdown. He also had five rushes for 24 yards. Iggy, the man of the night, 26 carries for 272 yards and five touchdowns. He also had three catches for 47 yards. Uh, the other running back, Abdul McFoy, had two rushes for six yards, a reception for 13 yards, but he returned four kickoffs for 132 yards and the touchdown that we saw in the highlights. Senior receiver Alex Rydell had two catches for 16 yards. And freshman uh, receiver and safety Troy Corson had the touchdown catch of 43 yards. He also contributed five tackles and a pass breakup. A solid, solid debut for the freshman. Trevor Tanga, seven tackles and an interception from his defensive back spot. And Nick Johnson, the previous week's player of the game, just had six tackles, one of them for loss being the sack, and that interception, that pick six. Which uh, Mike Draco said that should that be a Nick six? Yeah, I so saw like, a little sh shout out to the Red and Eagles, Mike Draco, for that little that nice little pun. As soon as I tweeted that out, uh, and Eddie Ortiz five tackles, two and a half for loss, and two of them being sacked. So all around pretty solid performance. Uh, got a little bit beat up. Some kids are nicked up. Yeah, uh, in the secondary, um, Matt Fry didn't play uh, this week after uh, being injured against uh, Warwick. Uh, Re uh, Regal, <laughs> Isaiah Gilmore, who uh, got hurt against Central Dolphin, didn't play against Warwick, was dressed for McCaskey, but didn't play. 
Uh, so hopefully we're going to see those guys coming back and getting ready to play. And also, uh, we may be getting the debut of uh, junior safety Joey Fox in the next few weeks. He uh, was injured in the offseason, but I know is very excited to get going and back on the field, hopefully in the coming weeks. So since we did have the win, Wilson got the W. We do have an interview. And after the victory over Warwick, we caught up with offensive lineman Chris Price and Wyatt Schonauer. All right, joining us post-game after their victory over Warwick, 56-24, are offensive and defensive linemen Chris Price and Wyatt Schonauer. Guys, congratulations on the big victory, especially one coming to start league play, which we all know means that one of the streaks continues. Just so happened to be worn by Mr. Wyatt Schonauer. That 65's never looked better on you. Thank you. So, guys, what was the mindset going into this game? Execute the game plan. And if you execute the game plan, everything handles itself. Good things happen. We know, obviously, drama into the game with Grayson and whatnot, but we had to do what we had to do to um, make sure that we got the win, and that included just executing the game plan. So was there anything specific that the coaches hammered in during the week on offense and defense? Was it, we want to pound the ball? Uh, you know, what, what was the you know what was the game plan? Offensively, it was just we need to work on a running game. We had struggled with that the past three games. We just wanted to. That's what we pushed during practice, just to work on a running game. Yeah. Well, it seems to have worked. I have the the stats here. If I can quick pull them up here, uh, net yards rushing three hundred and three. So yeah, I think uh, Coach Brubaker <laughs> should be pretty happy with hope, those results. Yeah, Iggy yeah. had a big night on the ground, but obviously, and I know he credits you all the time. He's not going anywhere without you guys. Uh, Keller, Drake, right, Mikey Klein, and in the past we saw John Ventura the first few games. Uh, so you guys uh, are starting to hit a flow, which is great, starting league play. Um, you know, McCaskey next week, another big one. But let's stay here defensively. What was the mindset going in defensively? Um, we knew that they had a really great passing game. Uh, Grayson has an arm, and there's no denying that, so he's going to be able to sling that ball wherever he wants to. So our main objective was to solidify the secondary because we blew a couple coverages last week and the week before that and the week before that. So our plan was to shut him down up front, which we've been doing a pretty good job of these past couple of weeks, but um, just to get a good rush on him, uh, get some hurry-ups, and just try and disrupt the pass as much as we can. Now, it was a rough start to the year, 1-2 and two after the first three weeks, two close losses to Mifflin and Central Dolphin. Looked like you guys had a little bit more energy tonight. Looked like you guys were on a mission. Yeah. yeah. Always, always good to see. So, looking ahead now, McCaskey next week, and then you're back home for two with Penn Manor and Lebanon. And uh, what, what does it mean to continue to get into league play firing on all cylinders like this? Uh, <laughs> it's just... Well, when I mean after these past these past couple three weeks have been hell. I mean, it's not necessarily the best like thing to go through when you go through two losses and you only have one win. It doesn't look good on paper, and it just it it eats at you when you lose to Mifflin, which you're used to getting every year, and Central Dolphin, which we've yet to beat. And I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. So I mean, we obviously with Grayson and whatnot that gave some more people a bit more motivation but we knew that in order to be successful throughout all four quarters of the game that we had to bring some more energy to the field and it was clearly shown with our secondary I mean anytime even a block away or anything something small we're getting hype over it so I mean that's huge in terms of the game I mean momentum and energy can change the game all right well thanks for joining us guys I know you want to get in get some food you're tired long game after 10 o'clock when this is over that's crazy so we look forward to talking to you hopefully after the McCaskey game next week and hopefully I'm taking a picture of another jersey as well yep all right congratulations thanks guys all right, thank you guys all right so thanks to Chris Price and Wyatt Schonauer for joining us after the win over Warwick all right, we didn't get to grab him and talk to him after the game, but we do want to mention who our week four player of the game was, and I think it's got to be pretty obvious who it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it has to be Iggy just because when you put up those numbers, right. you got to be the player of the so, game. So we've seen, you see 
almost on a weekly basis in high school football, there's a guy somewhere who's going to average over 10 yards a carry. And usually they have like eight or nine touches, right? Maybe, maybe 10 to 15 touches. To do that against a team, you know, that, what, was was blowing teams out all, all year. We talked about that in the preview a little bit. But to have 26 carries and still average basically 10 and a half yards a carry, yeah. that's insane. Wow. Yeah, hey, heck yeah. of a game, Iggy. And five touchdowns, you know. It's oh, like, yeah, to top it off. Yeah, that's uh, just... Uh, oh, and then he added almost 50 more on three receptions. So. <laughs> so quite the game for him. We haven't gotten to talk to him yet uh, during the season. We talked to him pre There's usually a line. But, yeah, there's usually <laughs> a lot of people that want to talk to him. So we're like, you know, we'll, we'll grab you at some point. Uh, but we're thankful for the guys that have taken time out to talk to us. All right, week five, just a few nights ago, Wilson went down to... Lancaster to take on the J.P. McCaskey Red Tornado. And uh, thank- thankfully for Wilson, as we kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show, talking after two victories, the Bulldogs came out on top, maybe not as big of a win as people wanted or expected, depending on where you fall on that. But, hey, a win is a win. We'll take it, especially on the road, on teams that are always gunning for you and giving Wilson their best shot. The Bulldogs came out on top. Defeating the Red Tornadoes 33-7. to Now, things got a little bit interesting at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, immediately. Uh, like, yeah, literally like two minutes. Game time, I think, had elapsed. Yeah. And uh, Wilson was losing. Yeah. So, a little bit of a shock there. But... Well, and all that goes to show, and, and we noticed, and lots of people noticed, that um, for the most part, people expected Wilson to win this game. But um, in the Lancaster paper, there was... There was a a writer who went out on a limb, and he admittedly went out on a limb. Like, he, he wasn't saying, you know, oh, he was shocked that Wilson won. But, like, he he felt that... He went Mc, for it. ...that McCaskey had what it takes to pull off the upset. You know, yeah. they have enough big play capability. Right. Like, Wilson's got, coming off an emotional you know, high against right. Warwick. You're going on the road. Secondary's beat up a little. Right. Playing on grass Won't be the nearly the atmosphere that you you generally play for. It's just there were lots of factors, and two minutes into the game, you're like, mm, maybe, maybe you know, you could see where he was coming right, from. Right. Not well, that, oh my gosh, this is awful. They it, couldn't it's over. stop but, McCaskey though. The first right. defensive series, Wilson couldn't stop them. They scored right the four plays. They had two big passing plays, which we'll see when we get to the highlights. Uh, then they I, they stopped him. I think management incompletion, and then. A uh, touchdown, and all of a sudden Wilson's down seven nothing. Right, and you're like, oh, that's not a great start. Well, yeah, so thankfully they were able to get it together from there. Yes, <laughs> um, but you know, you you could see some of those things that you know you're going to get uh, when when you play McCaskey, where if you're not playing a you know or your you're assignment, out of position you're or not something. doing your job, you you know you're going to open yourself up to the big play, and that happened immediately a couple times. Yep. So. Um, thankfully they were able to straighten it out and, and get on track. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily the, the dominant thing that some people are looking for, but you know what? They, they were able to, uh, do some things, work on some things, um, you know, and still have plenty to work on, but they were able to kind of get out of there with a win and you go on the road, get a win that, you know, you just kind of move on. Yeah. Right. Well, let's take a look at the game versus McCaskey. Some of the highlights from huddle. Down in Lancaster, Wilson on the road again. And uh, like I mentioned, McCaskey came out firing, ready to go. They had a nice uh, first down completion, then second down went all the way down to the Wilson one-yard line where when McCaskey would, I think, two plays later get the ball into the end zone right here. He got lit up but held on. Now... We would see Wilson get the ball back. A little preview there as my photos are out of order because I love huddle. Um, but here we get Iggy off on the sideline, picking up a nice gain on Wilson's first drive. And we would see him punch it in here for the Bulldogs to tie the game at seven. So now you're thinking, okay, that's a little bit better, you know, offensive answer. Um, Wilson would stop McCaskey on D, and Iggy would get the rock again and get Wilson into the red zone another time. Wilson would go to the air, though, for their second touchdown, where Connor Yurg hits a wide-open Sean McAndrew just standing in the back of the end zone. 
for the score, and Wilson would go up 14-7 to at the end of the first quarter. Now... I made your way into the highlights there, by the way. <laughs> I did, you're right. <laughs> now we get to see, for the second week in a row, Cameron Magalotti with the interception. But this time, surprisingly, he's got the wheels <laughs> to get through the defenders and into the end zone for the pick six. Second straight week for a defensive touchdown from the Bulldogs. And I was, of course, on the other end of the field, but that's how it goes sometimes. Now, uh, Wilson would miss the extra point here, a little bit wide left, so the score would remain, would be 20 to 7. And, uh, Wilson had a couple of issues in the red zone. A couple turnovers on down. Um, Really close. They got close a couple times for sacks. Uh, There we got freshman Jeff Colson chasing him, um, Eddie Ortiz, and uh, Nick Johnson forcing some pressure. Um, We're approaching halftime here. Uh, You know, another sack from the Wilson defense that time, Chris Price flying through. And um, this attempt here right before half is a failed hook and lateral that almost worked because if that would have gotten there, there was a lot of room on that sideline, but yeah, as, that he would have hit on a dead spring. Yeah. So halftime, twenty to seven, favor Wilson, and they would come out firing with a lucky tip ball to Iggy on the reception that time, and Wilson would be in business again, driving down the field hoping to get their fourth score, and Iggy would set them up here with another nice run to the outside, and I believe he's going to. Oh, nope. Wilson, again, that was another turnover on downs there as they got towards the red zone. Um, but Nick Johnson flies through on the next possession after turning over down, gets the quarterback sack. That was on second down. They incomplete pass on third. Another bad punt from McCaskey results in Wilson getting the ball early. They struggle in the red zone, but do get the field goal from Frankie Cox. That was the first one he's made this year. It's only only his second attempt, so it was nice to get that one done. Uh, Wilson stopped McCaskey, got the ball back, and then Iggy led the team down to the red zone once again. Wilson stalled inside, though, and went to Cox uh, again, and he got his second field goal of the game. It looks like he kicked a spiral. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to see a strip sack here by Eddie Ortiz, picked up by Nick Johnson running down the sideline. And he'll set up Wilson's final score as it's 26 to 7 after those two Cox field goals. Eventually, Wilson would get inside the five and hand it off to Abdul McFoy, who would take it in from the one. The extra point was good. And Wilson gets to 33 to 7, which is where the game would eventually end. I have no idea what this play is. Another sack. Great. Love it. <laughs> there we go. There it is. So Eddie Ortiz with another sack there, and the game ends 33-7. All right. So, a win is a win. I love it. A little bit of a shaky start, but, you know, still got some young kids stepping up and looking good, uh, and the seniors starting to play as a strong unit as well. Improved to 3-2, and two, more importantly 2-0 and oh in the league. And stretch that LL Section 1 winning streak to 66 games. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. I know we bring that up a lot. The numbers, when you start talking about some of the streaks, are just absurd. Um, like you said, this is one of those where, you know, when you win 66 straight league games, you're, you're going to have something like this. Where not not everything was clicking all the way, you know. But you know what? They were, they were just off on, on a number of plays. And whether that's... You know, the emotions from one week to another, or whether that's the injuries from one week to another, or whether that's just, you know, sometimes you're just off, or whatever it is, um, you know, you, you have to hope that you can do enough to make it through those games, and on Friday night they did, and, and that's a key. So, the ability to do enough, and when we say do enough, they won by 26. They gave up a touchdown two minutes into the game, and then... And nothing else. Right. You know, so you can't... In that aspect, you know, they made adjustments and, and did so quickly, and that that's good. Um, but, you know, like you said, lot, lots of guys are getting valuable experience. They're starting to – you're starting to see some of that growth and some of those things that we kept preaching in our first few episodes, you know, about kind of just like keeping the course and some of the reasons for optimism and things like that. You're starting to see some of those uh, start to develop, and the key is to not just start settling because you're – 
winning the games like Warwick and, and McCaskey, um, we talk about this all the time. You got to keep getting better week to week. Yeah. And that's been the trademark of Wilson teams yep. every year. Um, and if this team wants to continue to be successful and continue to have these types of wins, they need to keep getting better. So, for sure. You know, hit week five. That's halfway through the regular season. Yeah. They, they're, you know, you hope it's not halfway mark of the season. Um, but you know, time will tell, I guess. Right? You're, you're given 10 games right. and what you do with them will determine if you get the, the potential to play five more. Right. And so. Wilson right now, three and two, but getting better week in, week out. They got better. I mean, you could see them getting better during the Mifflin game. Yeah. You know, and you know, better all around performance against Springford, still not the best. Same right. thing with Central Dolphin. They waited too late to get, turn up the intensity, but then you saw them come out the way they should against Warwick. Still some issues, obviously. But now against McCaskey, the issues were early and then they ended it. Right. So they're, they're starting to build something and this team is getting better and better. And now they've got uh, two more league games at home coming up, which we'll talk to momentarily. But first, we did catch up with a couple more players after the win at McCaskey. So let's take a listen to Cameron Magalotti and Troy Corson. All right, we're here post-game with defensive players Cameron Magalotti and Troy Corson. Guys, you had a big big night tonight, both team and individually. Troy, you led the team in tackles. Uh, tied with Angel, five and a half. Good showing for you, a pass breakup as well. We saw you flying around on special teams. And Magalotti, well, we got a little highlight action from you, a little uh, pick six. Why don't you walk us through that play? Did you see something on film that gave it away, or is it just a reaction on the reaction. field? Well, I had to get my flat first, and then I was like watching the QB's eye, put it right to me, and it made, made things happen. I didn't realize you were that fast. I guess I, I couldn't even keep up with you in <laughs> So, uh, guys, a good defensive effort. I know people were a little, little uh, jittery at the beginning. They drove down the field, got that quick score. Obviously, finishing with the score 33-7, you didn't give up any more points. Um, what were the adjustments after they kind of came up and, and took it to you right away? What did the coaching staff have to say? Well, at halftime, we brought the heat a lot more. We were not slowing down. We were covering up a little tighter, and we were just playing with football. Also, we sharpened up on a mental game. Like, the first one was a mental breakdown, so we sharpened up, and then we were fine. Now, you guys have been uh, dealing with a lot of injuries in the secondary. What has been the mentality knowing that you could get called at any moment? Just have to be ready to practice. Yeah, yeah, keep working hard. Because you could be fourth string one week, next week could be starting. Troy, what has it meant to you be able to come back after early season not being able to play and now being thrust into the lineup now two weeks in a row getting well, started as a freshman? Awesome feeling. Magalotti, you bounce around a little bit position to position. Do you feel at home now where they got you? I, I don't really care where I'm at. As long as I help the team, so as long as I do my job, help the team do some A lot of the Twitter followers really love the picture from a few weeks ago of the team in the crop top. So why don't you give everyone a little background on what it is about that? That uh, you know, why why do you wear them? What, what's the uh, what's the reasoning behind it? Well, uh, my, uh, Yeah, everyone definitely enjoyed it. I like getting that uh, getting that picture. Anonymous sender sent that to me and, and, and had me post it. So, well, guys, you know, another great win. 66 straight in the league. Got two more at home now in a row with Penn Manor next week, followed by Lebanon. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys back in action at Gersky next week. So thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Have a nice night. All right. So there was our interview with... Uh, Defensive stars at McCaskey, Cameron Magalotti, who had the pick six, Troy Corson, who tied for the team lead in tackles at five and a half with Angel Martinez, and uh, a lot of fun to talk to those guys. Uh, they were in demand as well, also, I believe uh, Magalotti was giving an interview to the, the Lancaster newspaper writer there, so we snagged him. Actually, I had asked him first, and then we were, we were looking for Corson, and then in that meantime, someone else came over and was like, hey... <laughs> okay, let's talk about that play. It was a cool play. It was a really cool. I mean, 60 plus yard pick six. Yeah. 
you know, he's only been one up by uh, Nick Johnson the week before with that's that 75-yarder. Right. Right. So, yeah, very cool all around and a good effort by the Bulldogs to defeat McCaskey. Let's take a look or let's uh, talk about a little bit about the team statistics here. Uh, you know, we talked about Wilson had issues right at, from the start on, def- on defense, but after that series... Yeah, they, the defense they played settled pretty, down pretty, well. pretty yeah. well. First downs, Wilson got 17, pretty good. McCaskey had just eight. and Of more which f- at least three were on that first series, right? right. Um, or two, maybe, two, I guess. Two, yeah, I think two. Yeah, it uh, would So they had two. six the rest two. of the game. They yeah. essentially had not even two per quarter. Right. So um, a- after that first drive. Uh, rushing yards, Wilson, very nice, 235. McCaskey, negative six. Yeah. Negative rushing yards. Now, obviously, the sacks are included in that. Right. But, but still. they were getting after the quarterback. Yeah. They they, they were and harassing him all night long. We saw um, Eddie Ortiz, Chris Price, Nick Johnson. They were all in there. Um, I'm not sure if they got – those guys got sacked, but I know Trevor Hatley was in the backfield on occasion. Uh, a lot of uh, nice pressure from the ends, linebackers, and any other uh, people that he sent on blitzes. Very good defensive effort. Uh, gave up 181 passing yards. Wilson had just 102 in that department. Total yards, Wilson uh, 337 to McCaskey's 175. And, well, maybe the reason McCaskey wasn't able to get much rushing yardage or first downs was because, well, they barely had the ball. Right, yeah, less than 15 minutes. <laughs> less than 15 minutes. Wilson had the ball over 33 and a half minutes. Yeah, it was almost, almost, a se- it, basically it's a 70-30 split. You yeah. know, it was just under 75%, you know, which is basically a full quarter to three full quarters. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that makes it hard to it's, get a lot yeah, going. It's crazy to think. Uh, at, during the game, it didn't feel that way. So when I saw these stats, I was like, wow, Wilson more than doubled up. Wilson was very methodical. You know, there weren't as many of the huge plays, but they were very methodical. Well, yeah. like when I saw rush yards 235, I'm like, wow. You know, um, because I, I wouldn't have pegged it as that high. But when you think about it, when they had the ball for oh, 70% of the time, you know, and they were running a lot. There were a lot of rushing attempts, which which is good. You know, that's what they need to be able to do um, in a game like this where, you know, you can grind it out even when it didn't seem like quite everything was all clicking. No, we just read off the stats. If you read those stats, you would think, "Oh, it was clicking pretty well." Yeah, and it just so it didn't just click methodical quite like you would expect to see, but it was very methodical, and yeah. they were able to get the job done. Three, four, five yards here, then you get a seven or eight yard run, then you throw in, you know, the twelve, twenty, whatever, right. every so often, uh, and they, the passing game was there when they needed it to be. Third down wise, Wilson struggled a bit this week. Four for eleven. McCaskey not much better at three for ten. Fourth downs, Wilson struggled there as well. We mentioned multiple turnover on downs. Wilson converted just one of four, but McCaskey, the defense shut them out, didn't get one of their three attempts. And I, I talked about the red zone in the Warwick game where they failed on that one. Wilson also failed on two attempts inside the red zone against McCaskey. Five of seven for Wilson. So you can tell those drives were not mm-hmm. big hitters like we saw against Warwick where we right. had multiple touchdowns of outside of the 20. At McCaskey, seven attempts inside the 20, Wilson converts on five, and McCaskey was one of one on that first drive of the game. Individual stats, Connor Yurg, 14 of 19 for 102 yards and a touchdown, that one to McAndrew that we saw. He also had six rushes for 16 yards. Iggy, another solid week from him. 25 rushes for 192 yards and a score. He also chipped in six catches for 39 yards. You know, most of the time you'd expect someone who rushes for nearly 200 yards to be the player of the game. But, uh, you know, he probably could be the player of the game every week if we really wanted to get down to it. The the stats he's put up, especially uh, in weeks two, four, and five now, he could be the guy when you're looking at it from that aspect. So the wins. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, so it pretty much goes to show if Iggy can get can sorry if Iggy can get going, yeah, it usually is good things for the team. Yeah, time so. will tell if that's correlation or causation, but for now it's looking uh, pretty good. Um, but Iggy will not be our player of the week. Just a little little tease there. Uh, Abdul McFoy chipped in seven rushes for thirty yards and a score. Talked about Sean McAndrew. He had two catches for twenty two yards and a score. On defense, I already mentioned this uh, in the interview, but 
Angel Martinez uh, filling in at defensive back, and Troy Corson starting at safety. Both had five and a half tackles, and Troy had a pass breakup again. Nick Johnson heard his name a lot on defense, four tackles, one and a half for loss, including that one sack we saw, and he recovered two fumbles from McCaskey, one right before halftime on the failed hook and lateral, and then another after the Ortiz sack. Johnson picked that one up and rumbled a few yards before being pushed out of bounds. Cameron Magalotti, that big one was the interception, the pick six for the touchdown, over 60 yards. He also had a sack, uh, that being his tackle and a tackle for a loss. And senior kicker Frankie Cox nailed his uh, two field goal attempts, his first two made this year from 21 and 20 yards. So, well, we're going to go back into the player of the game archive and pull out a young man who is already the player of the game. And we mentioned that it's not Iggy who's been the player of the game twice. So that leaves us with two players. And, you know, on the stat sheet, it might not stand out like nearly 200 yards rushing does, but the contributions from um, Nick Johnson go beyond what appears in ink. Yeah. Uh, you know, four tackles, nice. This, he had this tackle for a loss, the sack, recovered the two fumbles. But what I've been hearing from him before, during, and after the game is he's become a vocal leader for the team, something that uh, may have been missing earlier, that they needed to figure out who was their voice, who are they turning to. And there's a few seniors, obviously, that are, have stepped up as well, something you were waiting to hear. Um, and I constantly see uh, Chris Price in that role. And if, but unfortunately for them, he was injured the first few weeks. So, you know, it's tough to be that vocal leader when you're not able to suit up with your teammates. But over the course of the first half of the season, junior tight end and inside linebacker Nick Johnson has kind of become that guy that they're turning to or that is stepping up and saying what needs to be said and then backing it up with his actions on the field. Yeah, and, you know, um, I'm a little more removed from those things, but looking at it, you know, he two fumble recoveries, you know, and somebody might be like, well, that that's luck. No, you know what? That A lot of times that comes from hustle, you know, because somebody's punching the ball out and you're, you're flying to the ball. Um, so th- those are all positive signs, you know, and like you said, there's a number of guys. We, we've really seen um, that, that development uh, start to kind of come around uh, on this team. And we hope, like we mentioned, we hope that that continues uh, through the next few weeks. Um, and they continue to get better. But, yeah, Nick Nick did a great job. Um, it was kind of all over the place, so uh, congrats to him. All right, so that wraps up our game recaps from Warwick and McCaskey. We're going to move on to Week 6 now, coming up this Friday, October 6th. The Bulldogs will welcome the Penn Manor Comets to Gursky Stadium. And Penn Manor is sitting at 1-4. and four. Not a great year for them to start. They opened up with three straight losses, hosting Cedar Cliff, Cedar Cliff, 27 to 6. They then lost at Lampeter Strasburg, 25 21, and then home against Dallastown, 49 to 20. Their lone win came against Lebanon, 35 to 20 in week four. And just this past week, Penn Manor fell to Hempfield at home, 16 to 14. So, they're close in a lot of these games. Uh, the only one out of reach was Dallas Town. Uh, Cedar Cliff, uh, pretty solid team. Uh, LS as well. So, you know, they're hanging around. They haven't been able to get over the hump, getting just the victory against Lebanon. But Penn Manor is a team that Wilson's familiar with, having previously played them 26 times. Unfortunately for the Comets, they've never beaten Wilson. Right. Wilson's a perfect 26 and 0. So this is the 27th all-time meeting this Friday and the Penn Manor Comets will look to beat the Bulldogs for the first time in program history. Last year Wilson went to Millersville and beat Penn Manor 42 to 13. That was on October 7th, 2016. I, I it's tough to uh to say much when a team has never beaten a program cuz especially this Penn Manor team because just, you know, Four or five years ago, they were Wilson's biggest challenger. Yeah, and and they had you know quite quite the program going you know year after year. 
they were kind of in, you know, people talk all the time about how Wilson reloads and all that stuff, but that, that was really, um, you know, kind of seen at Penn Manor too for, for a few years there. They just seemed to keep getting better and better and push Wilson more and more. And, uh, there were some classic kind of matchups there, uh, that we had. Wilson was able to somehow find a way in each of those games. Um, you know, and, and, you know, while things have kind of swung, um, away from that a little bit, you know, I think we saw last year when we were at Penn Manor where, you know, all right, the Wilson team should kind of be able to put this away, you know, pretty easily, pretty early. And, and they, they were able to do a lot of things successfully, but yeah, again, it was one of those games where they weren't able to kind of have the handle on it like you would expect. They gave up some big plays. They gave up, you know, they didn't make some big plays. Yeah. There were just lots of things where you're used to seeing it out of Wilson and you didn't necessarily see it. So sure. you hope, like, coming out of the McCaskey game, coming into this Penn Manor game, we mentioned while they were very methodical in the McCaskey game that they weren't quite clicking on all cylinders. You hope to see some of those things start to be shored up and that the team does what they're supposed to do against Penn Manor. Yeah, you know, last continue year. Continue to get better. Uh, Iggy rushed for almost 100 yards, but for three scores on the ground. Mason McElroy had a huge game uh, in special teams. Did he have two returns? In that he game? did. Yeah. And uh, they also had some issues in the secondary, giving up both their scores were long touchdown passes. But Wilson came out on top 42-13 to like they had the previous 25 times they played Penn Manor. Now here we are a year later, 27th all-time meeting versus the Comets. Takes place this Friday, 7 o'clock at Gursky. All right, now two weeks from now, week seven. Crazy to think that we're already talking about week seven. But Wilson will welcome the Lebanon Cedars to Gursky Stadiums on Friday the 13th of October. Ooh. Yeah. And Lebanon actually hasn't played at Wilson since 1999. So this is Lebanon's first trip to Gursky Stadium in nearly two decades. We talked last year that it was Wilson's first trip to Lebanon in nearly two decades and they had actually lost the last time they went to Lebanon and obviously we know last year Wilson played uh, quite well offensively against the Cedars beating Lebanon 68 to 19 on October 14th that set the Wilson program record for points scored by a Wilson team at 68 and there was a huge write-up on scoring by Mike Drago in the paper the next day talking about the points Wilson put up and the kind of revolution or renaissance of scoring that has happened over the last 10, 15 years in high school football. And it listed the programs or the teams that have scored the most points in Burke County history. Uh, the ones that were like ridiculous in the nineties were all by Reading teams a long time ago. <laughs> like I actually like the big, when you're talking about the beginning of high school football for some of these programs, oh, okay. like that long ago, like it, it was like, I don't remember if it was in the 20s or 30s. Like, it was a long time ago. Um, but Wilson was in the top 10. That 68 points is top 10 in Burke's history, wow. I believe. Uh, and the other more recent teams that were on there were those um, why missing Alex Anzalone teams yeah. when they were putting yeah. up 60s or 70s. Um, I think Burke's Catholic yeah, might be they, touching on that as well. They destroyed a lot of Yeah, like, they were very yeah. good in 2012. So, Lebanon this Friday, or excuse me, next Friday the 13th, just under two weeks from now, this is the 30th all-time meeting between Wilson and Lebanon, and the Bulldogs hold the, the lead 24-5. to The last Lebanon win I mentioned was September 25th, 1998. Surprised Cantapio's uh, rookie season as coach. They beat the Bulldogs 20-7. to Lebanon right now is sitting at 1-4. and They lost the uh, Cedar Bowl to Cedar Crest 42-14 to in Week 1. They rebounded and beat Ephrata, who has not won a game in a number of years now. They then have lost three straight games to Elizabethtown at Penn Manor, and they just um, they took they took a whooping from Warwick, who got some of their frustrations out, putting up once again sixty two points. Warwick beat the Cedar sixty two to twenty eight. Yeah, now, and that game drew some attention too because. As we as we mentioned, you know, a, a new quarterback in for Warwick, and they didn't miss a beat. No, they <laughs> um, didn't. And uh, I I can't think of the the tight end's name. Rucci. But yeah, uh, is it Hayden? Hayden Rucci. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hayden Rucci and Nick Fucci. Uh, okay. Like two of their big yeah. guys. Um, with Carter. Had a huge, they they were putting on a show, I think. So yeah. So 
Um, Lebanon, not a defensive powerhouse. However, they are very good offensively. Yes, and, and while saw, some of the numbers don't show it, we saw it last of it year. Last yeah, year. we saw it last yeah. year. Uh, Lebanon actually hosts Conestoga Valley this Friday, and then we'll see them on October. A couple D one recruits in that game, so you know, don't don't be surprised if uh, you know. You have to be ready to go because, like we talked about against McCaskey, if you're not, they're going to march right down the field. Right. You know, like it's one of those where it's one of those where they can, they've got enough talent and enough playmakers there, especially well, their quarterback. quarterback yeah, salesman. He is, he is electric. Yeah, watching yeah. him last year, some of the plays he made. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They. So uh, you can't just, sleep. They're on just them. generally speaking. I'm not saying, but they're kind of overmatched in section one a lot of times, just in terms well, of numbers yeah. and, and all that stuff. We, uh, you can see that when you look at their schedule when they play other when they play section two teams or section three teams, you know. But when they're playing other sections, they're they're quite competitive, you know. And and that's that's yeah. Well, that I mean, know, and that's kind of leading to things we've talked about. We talked about the LL, you know, kind of made the decision to drop Lebanon from section one to section three and Ephrata from section two to section three in order to give programs that may be larger in enrollment but aren't as competitive. So section three will be ten teams, section one and two will be six teams, and section one and two will have the intra league action, uh, which will have Wilson playing Mannheim Central for the next yeah. two years, which we talked about during the preseason, and uh, I, I asked Coach Doms about that in the preseason interview. So if you're interested in that, check out episode three dash two. All right, a couple milestones we talked about it last week, and uh, they came to fruition. Inside linebackers coach Matt Bender earned his 200th win as a Wilson assistant against Warwick, so now he's up to 201. And uh, actually, um, Mike Drago ran with that and published yeah. it in the paper in the Red Eagle on Thursday and mentioned uh, the blog that I run that I try to put on stats and whatnot now um, at wilsonbulldogs.blogspot.com. I'm trying to kind of spruce that up a little bit and put it all on bulldoghour.com, but it's a work in progress because uh, – it's a it's a lot. It's a lot of information that I'm trying to cram on there. So I'll keep you posted about that one. With the two victories over Warwick and McCaskey, offensive coordinator Jeremy Palms up to 149 wins as an assistant, and Brandon Naples is up to 121. Coach Doms got his 132nd as head coach, and he needs just 20 more wins to pass John Gursky's record of 151. Wow. Maybe more impressive, and I believe we've talked about this last time, but we'll say it again. Coach Doms is just four wins away from 400 with the program. He got 264 as an assistant, and he's up to the 132 as head coach. So he's sitting at 396. So, um, you know, depending on how this year goes, there's a good chance that he could see that before this season ends. And I know we're all hoping that happens. Because uh, we get four more wins, uh, things are things are looking pretty good uh, for the Bulldogs. Yeah, so you know, you, you hope uh, we can we can hit that number. Like we said, th- lots of work to do though. Uh, continue getting better. Um, you know, we we like some of the things we've been seeing. Um, it's been encouraging, and we we need to keep those things. Those same things we were talking about early in the season. You know, about patience and potential, and you know, all of those things. We still need to have those, but we're halfway now, so we need to, you know, kick it up and keep keep developing and keep getting better. And if if they keep getting better each week, um, you know, I I I like the potential. I like where we could end up being at, at after week ten. So yeah, um, you know, but one week at a time. This week's Penn Manor. Take care of business. Absolutely. I completely agree. I endorse everything that Justin just said. <laughs> so from us on game nights, make sure you like Wilson Bulldogs and Bulldog Hour fan pages on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We send out live game updates with photos. We do post game interviews that we have on the next show that we do. And now uh, I, along with uh, another one of our Wilson West coaches and a Wilson football alum, Justin Burke, has been my videographer on the sideline doing great, great job. If you watch the Facebook live streams of the games, he is the one controlling the camera there while I do the photos and Twitter accounts. So uh, definitely thanks to Justin Burke and helping us out and uh, helping me to bring all of the games to uh, to Facebook for all of you 
to, to watch. I know a lot of you are starting to spread the word about that and uh, commenting and having a good time with each other watching uh, the game, especially ones like this last week where it's not at Gursky. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, like uh, like Joey mentioned earlier in the in the show, if if you like if you like what you're getting, uh, like and share on on all the social media platforms, and uh, that it's always appreciated. Absolutely, but I think that's everything for us this week. Anything yep. else to say? No. All right. <laughs> so Justin already mentioned it. Let's focus on Penn Matter and get that victory this week. We'll be back in two weeks. Sunday, October 15th, to recap weeks 6 and 7 and look ahead to weeks 8 and 9 against Manheim Township and Hempfield. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour. For Justin Rathoff and the Wilson Football Program, I'm Joe Mays. And remember, go Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.